0: Sitting in morning prayer a few days after Easter day, I found Jesus's question. I just kicked the water. I was wondering where the water was, and it's right here. It's in a different place than it was at 8 o'clock. Sitting in morning prayer a few days after Easter day, I found Jesus's question to his disciples curious. Have you anything here to eat? This question reminded me of the numerous times my brother and I raided our parents' pantry and refrigerator after long Texas summer days. What are we going to eat, we'd ask, exasperated. And if you ask my mother that question to this day, she gives you a glare (laughs) that you don't want. And depending on our parents' level of energy and creativity, It could be anything from baked chicken with potatoes and green beans and sautéed squash and onions to a quick call to Domino's Pizza. (laughs) There was nothing especially exceptional about those summer meals except they were shared by a loving family with the backdrop of our urban Texas sunsets. That ordinariness seems to be what the narrator is attempting to convey by Jesus' surprisingly disarming question Have you anything here to eat? Mind you, they've endured the trauma of witnessing his brutal execution in Jerusalem just days before, only to be told by Mary Magdalene, the first preacher of the resurrection and the other women, that the Lord had indeed been raised from the dead. And here they are, seeking out one another's company to make sense of the jarring events of, of the recent days before, only to have Jesus appear once again, this time with words of peace and hunger. Have you anything here to eat? One of the great questions among scholars is what exactly kind of body did the risen Christ have? Was it spiritual? Was it physical? The author of the Gospel According to Luke must have been an Episcopalian because their answer seems to be yes. There is obviously an immateriality to Jesus's resurrected body, seeing as it seemed to possess the ability to simply appear on demand. And at the same time, there is a concrete materiality to it, seeing as just after asking if there's anything in the fridge, Jesus enjoys a meal of broiled fish in the presence of of his disciples ghosts don't have appetites use your use your sanctified imagination with me for just a moment silent awestruck disciples stare at what looks like a ghost mouths ajar when jesus asks if there is anything there to eat One disciple nudges another and says, Didn't we just catch some Kinneret sardines last week? Broil some for him. But the one ordered to broil is almost too distracted to get the job done. He broods over the fire, analyzing every moment from the past few days. How could this be him? He says out loud his thoughts lingering on the mystery of it all. And then he returns to the present moment, realizing that he's burned the fish a little, frantically scraping the crisp patches off the sardine. He delivers it to Jesus, and they all just stare as the Lord takes his first bite. This is the glory and mystery of Easter, is it not? The God unbound by death, time, and location showing up when least expected. A God unconcerned with our inherited notions about where God does and does not belong. This scene might very well have been on Peter's mind when he said, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified God's servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, but you rejected the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses." These witnesses of brutality and vindication were not necessarily impressed by the resurrection itself, seeing as resurrections or resuscitations had happened before. You'll call to mind the centurion's servant and Lazarus. The impressive and history-altering dimension of God's raising Jesus from the dead was not the what, it was the who. An impoverished, itinerant Palestinian Jewish rabbi executed by the world's most powerful empire, resurrected as a sign that God is near to those thrown about into the trash bins of history. Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. See, Jesus seems to say, that love is stronger than death. That no matter what you've been through or are going through, you are held in God's infinitely merciful memory. That the scars from our various crucifixions and seasons of suffering are not signs of failure but are potential launch pads for empathy and healing. Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. With those words, Jesus admits his own humanity. He testifies to God's own faithfulness and that even in resurrection, God dignifies our traumas by never, ever, ever forgetting them. This message of crucifixion and resurrection, mirroring the shape of our personal experiences of suffering, is the same message we proclaim to this very day. That Lent is long, it's 40 days without chocolate, but Easter is longer. Lent is long, but Easter is longer this great 50-day feast in which we find ourselves is deeply rooted in joy, as is all of the Christian life, all of the baptized life. Not rose-tinted happiness, but deep, substantial joy based in wounds becoming scars, based in relationships being on the mend, based on a God who puts gladness in our hearts as we just sang. Who reminds us of those tender moments in our lives when we were safe and loved. Who reminds us of those hot summer evenings when we'd run into the house and Mama would say, close that door, you're letting the mosquitoes in. And we'd say, what are we going to eat and there would be a piece of broiled fish waiting for us.